because the governor had been had had over three of his vetoes overridden in a conservatively dominated unicameral. Sure. So he started purging it because his father's a billionaire who also shut down DNA Info and the Gothamist. And the Gothamist, just because right. of the unionized, sure. Joe Ricketts. His father, or his son, is, you know, the governor of the state, and so he was able to spend a lot of money. Hold on, Joe Ricketts' in... son is the governor of Nebraska? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah, Pete Ricketts, yes. he's, he's amazing. Don't, also, I didn't know that, but don't get me started on that fucking Joe Ricketts journal. Like, Oh, dude, yeah, dude. I this went is awesome. Insane on that. <laughs> well, I just I just want to mention how fantastic it is that that family has a name that matches up with a like an unpleasant disease. Exactly the same way like if Charles Dickens were writing our reality right now, it, that's exactly right. the name he would come up with for these people. Yeah. Right. It's like Lieutenant Lieutenant Governor Scurvy, you know, <laughs> Congress Congressman Cholera. Yes. Dickens had a flair for that. You are listening to the Liquid Flannel Podcast. Thanks for tuning back in. I'm Chuck Williams. Brendan's out this week, but joining us in Arlington, Texas, as usual, is the great Matthew Hodges. Matt, how's it going, man? I mean, I... I wouldn't mind being at Disney World right now. Yeah, man. What do you think about those teacups? I heard Donald Trump is going to be around there. I can't not, do spinny not the rides, teacups, but, but man, uh, <laughs> I mean, I assume Brendan's going to tell us all about it when they get back. But apparently they've added all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, you know, they're going down to Animal Kingdom, do the Pandora thing from Avatar. I mean, oh, that, man, that movie was terrible, but a theme park based on it sounds cool. <laughs> Is where you just like go lay in a chamber that's hooked up to your body or something? Yeah, like, is that the right movie? I, I think no, that's right. Yeah, where <laughs> they put you in suspended animation, and um, I don't know, you probably get a plug in the back of your head or something. Oh man, well you know that that might be like one of those rides where I just watch you all do that. So, but uh, <laughs> anyways, you know we do have someone filling in for Brendan this week. Matt, why don't you let the audience know who we've got on the line? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, an old friend of mine from the the grad program at University of Montana, Chris Zumsky Finky, Christopher ZF, Chris ZF. Hello. Uh, Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Welcome. Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Is, uh, Thank you. Chris is the editor in chief of The Stake, which is a really cool online magazine that does lots of great media reviews, and he has his own podcast, and yeah. I'm glad to have you on the show. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. I like my steak well done with ketchup. <laughs> just kidding. Well, you won't find that at thesteak.org, but... Just to, okay. just to own the libs. Just, you know, yeah. well done steak with ketchup, uh, chugging raw milk, um, I heard that he eating gets, Papa John's pizza. He gets uh, well done steak with ketchup everywhere he goes in the world now. Did you hear that? that right. That every, oh, yeah. Everybody, every... Head of state who wants to woo Trump feeds him that meal. Right. Well, my, oh, my favorite picture that I've seen so far is him visiting with uh, the prime minister of Japan. And he's sitting there with uh, just like a an ordinary American hamburger. I mean, you're in yeah. Japan, which has this rich culinary tradition that you, you would think, you know, some they, they would want to show off for him. But they know that the best way to show off is just serve him like a... And garbage, you know, like a, a, a Big Mac, <laughs> yeah. basically. Stoke you stoke his well, ego by feeding him the things that he already likes, even if you're in sure. Korea or Japan or yeah, every every place has cuisine that's worth eating. He's a right. he's a literal child. Yeah. Well, also food wise, for some reason, I felt like I saw that people were eating cat food now. Is that a thing? Oh yeah, like to, yeah. To no, own I'm, the I'm libs. hoping this is gonna become a thing. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I'm this not is a thing that. that we should Who's take eating? very seriously. Yeah. I don't know what this and means. Talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the cat right, food so, eaters. Well, let's let's come back around to that. That that might be a good high note. All right. Okay. Man, it's not a high note in your life if you're resigned to eating cat food <laughs> as a good idea, you know. So. But that's a topic for another time. 
what what should we get into? We've got a lot of stuff that's been going on this week. You know, there's been some elections in the last week that have been yeah, a bunch of interesting elections actually. Absolutely, there have been a whole a whole bunch of new allegations about sexual assault. So I mean, that's that's always a really we got fun the thing weekly beat on that. There should be a section. Right. Uh, wow. Oh man, I he mean, needs yeah. some little theme song. <laughs> that, that seems in bad taste. Yep. Yeah, it's in bad taste for sure, for sure. But you've got to have an angle these days. And so, I mean, it is like you know. the one of the five biggest stories that's happening right now. You know, I mean, sure, it literally is. Yeah, there's I no, mean, there's nothing else other than Trump that is bigger than that. The continual unfolding of that crisis. I mean, that is a that is a metaphorical dam that's just kind of exploding open. You know, Absolutely. every week. So. Um, we don't even cover current events on this show, and, like, we've talked about it the last three episodes. <laughs> right. Well, nothing's current by the time we talk about it. <laughs> but we're still going to talk about it anyways, and we've got a lot of it to talk about, so without further ado, let's jump right in. jump on the good stuff yeah okay yeah let's let's jump on the electoral results from uh yeah those were positive this past tuesday just i mean there's some there's some encouraging stuff in there we elected a bunch of trans people we elected a bunch of uh minorities we elected a bunch of gay people we elected a bunch of socialists democratic socialists for sure yeah 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 there was a lot of uh a lot of firsts, a lot of historic victories. Uh, I think my favorite was the the mayor of Helena. Did you guys see that one, Helena Montana? No. Yeah. Who was? Yes. There was there was a the incumbent mayor was like an anti refugee uh, guy who was like <laughs> keep the refugees out, and he lost to a refugee from Liberia. So it's the fir- oh, right. That's it's the first. Af- uh, yeah. It's the first non-white mayor in all of Montana history and it is also a refugee. Yeah. So this is a great victory. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Those real self-owning victories, kind of like that uh Virginia uh, Virginia bathroom senator that lost to uh a trans woman. So Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, Danica right. Danica Reem won that race. <laughs> She's just I mean that's like yeah. a great like just a like it's one it's great to get you know liberal victories and i'm all for that but the other is just like the poetic justice of it right like a trans woman who's also the lead singer of a metal band you know who's also like yep just great you know clearly great and classy and wonderful and just crushed it yes 100 percent, and was able to stay issues oriented and make the other person look like a complete idiot you know for having to focus on on this intersectional issue, <laughs> so well, it turns it, out that when somebody on the you know the left of center side comes out with a clear and compelling message, people show up to vote for that. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, she the 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 guy that she ran against, I don't know what his name is, Bob something, Bob Marshall. It's it's like it's it's like uh. Phil Soup or something. I mean, it's just like the whitest name ever. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, it's, you know, he just laid his, he called himself Virginia's chief homophobe, right? He Mm self-referred as that during the race. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, it is just brutal, you know, brutal out there. Yeah. And there were, I mean, there were stories, I mean, these kind of encouraging, like, yes, this feels like justice stories going on all over. The uh, Virginia State House. Okay, so they they elected Northam over Gillespie, uh, which is good because Gillespie was explicitly race baiting and is a horrible human <laughs> being. And Northam is sort of a, I don't know. He seems he seems like an okay dem, but that's that's a qualified statement. I mean, an okay dem <laughs> right. is just an okay dem. Um, I mean, it's qualified. I'm not. I'm not a regular on liquid flannel, so I, I'm happy to say, like, <laughs> an okay dem is much better than the alternative. You know. Okay. Like, right. I have right. no problem saying, like, I'll take a milk toast Democrat over the contemporary GOP candidates. Oh, across absolutely. the country, right? That's like not even a thing. <laughs> like, I know that there's reasons to be upset about milk toast Democrats these days, but. 
there are the alternatives right. in these races are real. <laughs> Not to disparage his victory at all. I was just saying, you know, my my approval of this guy is qualified. But yeah, I'm infinitely more glad that he won over his opponent. Yeah. Um, but the big victory was in the state house where they went. There were, I want to say something like twenty seats up and. 15 of them flipped toward and and you look at the the row of pictures of who used to hold these seats and the people who replaced them and you basically went from what guess who is right now to what guess who was like 20 years ago (laughs) love that metaphor (laughs) (laughs) i i think one of the interesting things that happened across the country and it's happened in the twin cities a lot and we can talk more more about that if you'd like is how yeah, how young definitely. how young everybody is. Like it seems like sure. so many young candidates uh won. And not not just that incumbents lost, because that happens in a swing year, but the people mm-hmm. who are running against those incumbents all seem to be so like just young people, right? Like right now, we got we got a new mayor in St. Paul and a new mayor in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. And the mayor of St. Paul's thirty seven and the mayor of Minneapolis is thirty six. You know, like that's wow, crazy. That's really wild. Yeah, when yeah, the mayor definitely. of Minneapolis, the the mayor elect, his name is Jacob Fry, and he beat uh, the incumbent Betsy Hodges, who was elected when she was forty five, and people were like, making a big deal about how young she was when she got elected. Sure, no relation, Matt. No, not not to my knowledge, but okay. I mean, it's also a really boring surname, so I assume that anyone not actually related to the bloodline probably changed it by now. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, and I mean, Saint uh, Saint Paul, that was pretty historical. I mean, for a person of color to win the mayoral race, there is that correct? That's correct. Chris? Yeah. So the the winner of that race was Melvin Carter. The third, uh, he's mm. as I said, he's thirty-seven. He's the first African American uh, elected the mayor of Saint Paul, uh, which is he's an interesting figure in Saint Paul politics. He's his family is kind of a legacy family. His dad was a police officer on the Saint Paul uh, police force for like thirty-five years. Uh, he was a detective. Wow. I actually did a piece about him. I wrote an article, interviewed him, and talked to him this summer about police uh, police conduct in St. Paul in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. which has been less than stellar for the last few years or decades. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's his dad. And, and his grandfather, Melvin Carter, was a famous jazz musician uh, who actually passed away just mm. this summer as well. So he's kind of right. a name – but he ran against a very so the 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 current mayor is Chris Coleman. He's not running again because he's running for governor. So mm-hmm. uh, there was a we have ranked choice voting. So there's a whole bunch of people who run. Uh, but he very nice. His his main opponent was Pat Harris, who is like a white, older, uh, very milk toast Democrat. And it got kind of ugly, and Pat Harris had the inter- the one interesting like late game story that people might find sort of worth noting is Pat Harris had the support of the police union, and right before the mm. election, the police union started doing some clearly racially motivated uh, attacks on Melvin Carter, who's oh what a shot! Uh, his home was his home was. Uh, burgled, I guess is the word, uh, last earlier this year. And two of his two firearms were stolen from his home that used to belong to his dad when he was a cop. What? So they set, they like, the St. Paul Police Union released these mailers that were like, Melvin Carter didn't secure his guns. And now there's more guns on the street. So the next time there's violence on the streets of wow. St. Paul, like, who's to know what's what's the cause of this stuff right and it was like so ugly and people it oh, was that, immediately a that story that is so that is so outstanding yeah. given how how much they screech about um anybody trying to say like we should we should have better gun registry so that we can trace back you know where a, where a gun came from yeah. you know i mean um, it, un- unless it works for them it was beautiful i mean it was horrible but there was this great irony underlying the whole thing because 
it was like he didn't provide us with the serial numbers fast enough he didn't he didn't secure the the firearms and the firearms were St. Paul Police Department issued, you know, like they belonged right. to his dad. <laughs> right. They were from the police department. So it was just a really disgusting attack. But I, th- so what ended up, but what ended up happening is that Melvin Carter destroyed it. He performed, he way outperformed what expectations were. So I nice. imagine mm-hmm. there was this element that was like, oh, the police department really doesn't want this guy. So that's probably a pretty good reason to vote for him. You know what I mean? Hell like, yeah. Like, who don't <laughs> the cops want to work for? Because we've been having some pretty crazy stuff happen with our police anyways. So they- Oh, sure, yes. Yeah. So that was a pretty good We've one. been noticing. Yeah. <laughs> and then, in the, you know, just, just to run down our other interesting election, which was- the Minneapolis mayor, all we had was mayor's races this time. Like, okay. <laughs> the the St. Sure. Paul ballot had two races, mayor and school board. So there's not like a lot of, there was nothing else happening this year. Same for- um, Well, no, actually, I was told by some alt-righty on Twitter that school board elections are completely meaningless, that you shouldn't celebrate them. It's not like- an actual victory if you happen to get one of them. If you happen to get a um, seat that, on that, it or Yeah. That that seemed that seemed pretty compelling to me because yeah, like when has a school board election ever really impacted anyone who cares about something yeah. or their family or their values? I mean schools don't help anybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and this is funny coming from the types of folks that are literally financing the campaigns of student elections, you know, on college campuses. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's like <laughs> nice try, buddy. <laughs> All right. So so two elections, two elections, the mayoral and the yeah. uh, the school board. So in Minneapolis, hmm. Minneapolis also has ranked choice voting and they had an incumbent mayor, Betsy Hodges, who ran who was uh, running for her first re-election. So she was elected 4 years ago. Okay. And we had Minneapolis had two you know, very high profile uh, police and in- officer involved shootings, I guess is what they call them. The police killed some people and uh, mm-hmm. she handled those situations moderate at best. I mean, to be to be fair to her, those are, you know, that's an extremely complicated situation to be the mayor in. Sure. But people really lost right. favor with her. You know, I mean, she I don't think she knew she wasn't up to the challenge, I guess, for for lack of sounding like not to sound like a dick about it. But it's like she was in over her. She got in over her head when she started trying yeah. to handle like the right. police, the police and the public at the same time. You know? Yeah, it's it's a terrible thing to have to deal with if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, and um, I mean, but you you also said uh, before we started recording the show that the guy who replaced her isn't. He's not like super exciting. Yeah, he's not a. So the, he's not one of these bomb thrower um, like left Democrats. He is not. He's a fat. It's what's really interesting to me, just as an observer, because I'm in St. Paul, so I didn't vote in Saint, in Minneapolis. But the mm-hmm. the person who replaced Betsy is named the person who replaced Betsy Hodges is named Jacob Fry. He's 36. He's from the East Coast. I forget. I forget where he's from. He only re- he right. moved to Minnesota a few years ago. But he's like basically the same the same kind of politician almost exactly as Betsy is. So it's like people didn't yeah. want her, but they didn't really want to go with, you know, like a real radical candidate, you know, hashtag radical. They, they still know? want that. They still want that sort of like business friendly. The the main things that we care about are are you bringing like jobs and are our house values going up? Yeah, and public safety. Uh, as with you most, know? that's the thing right. in Minneapolis. And his his solution to pu- for public safety is like, yeah, we need more cops. You know, we need more police presence. Uh-huh. And it's like North Minneapolis Naturally, and these yeah. neighborhoods. Are like the solution is not more police presence, right? Like police presence has been part of the problem in this city. And interaction, mm-hmm. you know, right? Minnesota changed their rules recently that you don't need to have police who live in the communities anymore and you know a lot of people think that that needs to change uh but you know Mm. yeah well it's that same uh it's that same sort of center-right democrat focus on law and order instead of actually addressing the underlying problems in a truly like left liberal way 
which would be to address poverty, to address education, yeah. um, you know, preschool and after school programs, that kind of thing. Um, but no, like probably just boosting the the carceral state is what we need to do. Yeah. We did have a candidate who ran. Her name was Nakima Levy-Pounds, and she was the mm-hmm. former uh, president of the local NAACP. Uh, she's African-American, and her, you know, her position is like, we should envision a Minneapolis with no police. You know, like, we, we can get to a po- – like, she had a radical vision for how to really change the – the situation mm-hmm. she actually got right like ranked choice voting is really weird so she came in like fourth but it's not it was a pretty close like number of votes you know a lot of people did sort of support that vision of sure that she offered and mm-hmm. that would have been like it wasn't a, it wasn't a distant fourth she was she was somewhat close yeah because it's like you know. not a lot of first choice votes but a lot of like second and third so you get pushed up but it's all like complicated that's amazing i i had no idea you guys did rank choice um yeah. i mean so there's like 30 people who end up on the ballot you know because anybody could really get on it and then you just put your top three right. or four on well and and for listeners who don't know what that is um I, i'm gonna do a, a real quick rundown instead of it basically being your vote goes to one candidate or the other it's you get to rank your votes and basically the strongest support and the weakest support on all sides kind of get canceled out. And what you end up with is like the compromise candidate, whoever the most people voted, like this is my second choice. If it's not, well, I don't know if we were going back to the national elections in 2016, it would have been like, my first choice is either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, but my second choice across the board is Bernie Sanders. He probably would have won that election. Yeah. I mean, that would have been a way to change change the outcome there. You know, I mean, I, I guess in, in Minneapolis, it's like, or in the Twin Cities, you can win if you get 50% of first choice votes, right? So that's what Melvin Carter did in okay. St. Paul, right? If you get 50% of people's first choice, you you win. Hey, man, that's that's just straight up popular election. Yeah. I'm, I'm and that's pretty like, much in nobody that. expected that. People thought the St. Paul election would take days to figure out. So it was when it was like a landslide for Melvin, everybody was like, that's great. You know, that's a real side of something, oh, yeah. you know. But in say in Yeah, definitely. In Minneapolis, Jacob Fry got 26% of the first ra- choice votes and then it was like, yeah, they had right. to con- like the guy who got fifth on the first ballot ended up being second overall cuz he was like everybody's second and third choice, you know. So he moved sure, way yeah. up. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know the math. Doesn't make sense Which, to no, me, I, but but it's, you know, in principle it's a really cool system where you do end up with everybody's uh, like less extreme choice. Uh, I think for the most part, anybody who's going to be able to gather people from like all different parties and make make them their second choice, like probably would be okay at representing all of those people's interests, mm. or at least they, it seems like they would have said something that would make somebody choose them second. Mm. So. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right. I mean, it depends on if you want to have somebody who might be a little more moderate or not, you know. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, eh, it doesn't necessarily mean more moderate either. I mean, if you're if your second choice is the like completely crazy libertarian who wants to get rid of all regulation ever. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. I mean, it, it, it's it could it has the potential to shake up the, the system. Maybe it's not the great thing that I thought it was three minutes ago <laughs> what if your your second choice is ron paul's next door neighbor or Rand Paul? <laughs> no just kidding sorry shout out Rand paul sorry hope you recover <laughs> hold on i i want to uh, i want to lead into the next segment with the Rand paul story but let's take a little break and uh give people a bump Kentucky Senator Rand Paul making his return to the U.S. Senate with six broken ribs after being attacked by his neighbor while he was out in his lawn. The Kentucky Republican eager to get back to work and bring tax reform to the American people, Americans meaning us. Griff Jenkins joins us live from Washington, which is also in America, with the latest. Griff? (laughs) Good morning, guys. (laughs) He was welcomed by open arms with his uh, colleagues in the Senate, but he had to limit his own arm movements while casting votes because of that attack that left him with six broken ribs and fluid between his lungs and chest. Okay, so I think there are two leading hypotheses on this. Rand Paul got the shit beat out of him 
uh, by his neighbor thing. Okay, I think <laughs> I think the first most uh, reasonable theory is that Rand Paul was sleeping with the guy's wife. The the family values. I mean, yeah. yeah. Is he a family values guy? Because the answer would be yes. Obviously, he's well, sleeping with someone. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I I don't know. He's like, I love families. I want to be around everyone's family. <laughs> you know, the That's the the up. other theory is that Rand Paul, as a neighbor, as a uh, like an extreme libertarian, probably as all libertarians do, selectively applies the way he uh, thinks about the uh, the non aggression pact, the the NAP, and. Huh. Uh, probably was just like blowing his leaves onto neighbor's lawn, um, for like years, and also lecturing him about his own like constitutional property rights until the guy just snapped. So, wh- which That's one do you guys think is is most reli- most uh most believable there? I feel like just the way things go. I mean, you don't tackle someone hard enough to fracture five ribs over uh a leaf blowing misinterpretation oh did he did he tackle him i assumed that he he just punched him so hard and Rand paul rejecting like fda dietary guidelines probably has terrible osteoporosis because he doesn't eat enough dairy um i figured his (laughs) his body just shattered like mr glass from that uh From that Bruce Willis I break movie. break my glass. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Are you unbreakable? Yeah. Um, no, I I guess I don't know for sure, but I just assumed the first thing I thought was you get tackled and when you're that, when you're older like that, I mean, yeah. even being in your 30s, I, I feel myself, you know, kind of brittling up a little bit not saying i would just disintegrate samuel jackson style <laughs> you know like they called me mr glance but uh but i would be sore a lot faster and for a lot longer so um i feel like he got tackled but who knows yeah that could be right but we we still don't have a straight answer on why it happens i i i'm loving all of the speculation right of course like alt right <laughs> like Twitter is going crazy on the idea that it was because he, he was like an Obama voter who finally just like lost his mind. Like, man, yeah. if you live in next door to Rand I Paul, highly you're probably like yeah. a, yeah, you're, you're probably like a, like a reasonably professional person. I imagine Rand Paul lives in a neighborhood where there's a lot of Obama voters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good call. You know, I mean, absolutely. If, if Occam's razor, he was sleeping with his wife, right? Like, <laughs> right. He's a family Your values husband. Republican, Wait. which Whoa. means that he's got something going on, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Although he is kind well, of, he is kind of also like a, you know, I don't know what, what he likes to think of himself as a firebrand or like an independent spirit. Right. So he could be like that guy who drives everyone crazy. I mean, I do get that. Like, <laughs> just shut the fuck up already. Like, go through the homeowner association meetings, you know, and it's like just a pain in the ass all the time. I could buy Oh, that. yeah. I, I mean, there, like was, he... there was some report that came out that said that it was some some really basic, like, HOA restriction that he was violating, and he got all fussy about it with the HOA. Like, you know, this is my property right as an American. It's like, well... Okay, but you also signed a fucking contract, you libertarian. Like, that's the other pillar of what you believe in. Yeah. <laughs> we had a great one of these in Minnesota where a guy wanted to build a, a little uh, a low-level, like, vertical wind turbine in his yard, and the HOA wouldn't let him. And he he had them, like, pour the concrete and build it, and then there was, like, a years-long battle about what they were going to do and finally the HOA just came and ripped it out of his yard one day right. after nice. years of playing. Wow. <laughs> it's like just this like passive aggressive Minnesota based like fight that went on forever and all the neighbors yeah, hated sure. this guy but he would not give in you know and it's like yeah <laughs> somebody might have just snapped and been like fuck you and your wind turbine I mean they, they probably turned him into a Trump voter that day because you know by conventional yeah. wisdom, so, telling someone that they're wrong or they can't do literally their worst impulse all the time is why they became like a GOP voter. Yeah. 
Right. Sorry. Well, everybody, I feel like everybody gets this Rand idea Paul. of, well, yeah, I knew. <laughs> you just said Rand Paul. <laughs> no. Sorry, I'm just oh, yeah. on the person. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, these people all, they think that, well, yeah, I signed the contract, but but this is my property that I spent my money on. And so that connection supersedes any contract that I signed with you. you right. Know? Yeah, I don't know. Well, they don't. They also don't. I mean, not to get too philosophically wonky here, but they don't understand the like the idea of the social contract either, which is like yeah, you've pretty much signed up for this in a million different ways over the course of your life. So when the consequences are a thing that you disagree with, it's like, well, you you like it when these systems are enforced against everybody else, right? Well. I, I feel like that is a lot longer than we planned on talking about Rand Paul, but, you know. <laughs> no, I, not, it's certainly more than I had planned. I was going to say, though, I mean, this must not have been a catch-you-in-the-act sort of thing. I mean, in Texas, you used to be allowed to to shoot somebody if that was the case, right, Matt? Uh, if, like, if, if someone you- were infringing on your... Yeah, I don't know exactly what the... Like the stand your ground or the castle laws look like in Texas, but I I mean, I thought it was like a passion, like uh, heat of the moment sort of thing. I I don't remember. (laughs) Yeah, sure. I mean, if if any if any state's going to have a very permissive system for you can shoot somebody who comes onto your property, it's probably going to be Texas. Right, Uh, and I can say that he's not in uh, Texas, is he? Rand Paul is in Kentucky. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. he's he's in Kentucky yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, but but, but it, it sounds like the assault took place on Rand Paul's property. The, the guy, like, charged him. <laughs> and I'm sure Kentucky has plenty of leeway for shooting people for kicks. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He was uh, Kentucky fried assaulted. Yeah. Battered dipped. <laughs> in, uh, 12 original herbs and uh, leaf blowing. So I would say we should anyway. use Kentucky Fred Assaulted as the episode title, but I think we've already had like four or five episodes that started with the phrase Kentucky Fried. So maybe, uh, every, yeah, maybe everyone should start with that. <laughs> That's right. It should be the Kentucky Fried podcast. Right. No, then... I mean, once I once I can get the, the Trillbillies to pick up the phone again, maybe we can ask them about it. But, you know, for now, it's all right. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, one thing I thought was interesting about the elections, Chris, was several, I think it was Somalis, uh, Somali Americans had been profiled and including like a city council race or something, maybe up in Minnesota. Yeah, that's right. Chris, as as a person who lives in Texas, I am deeply offended. A white person who lives in Texas, I am deeply offended by <laughs> the idea that like Somali refugees who are probably terrorists are taking over the government with their Sharia law. Uh, can you address this now, now. concern, please? <laughs> <laughs> I can address that. Uh, the first minute, the first Somali uh, individual elected to office in Minis- uh, in the country happened in Minnesota in 2016. Her name is okay. Ilhan Omar, uh, mm-hmm. and Ilhan Omar is terrific. She's just like a great person. She was on like like one of the Time Magazine just a couple issues ago had a. Mm. firsts issue when they had a rotating cover and she was one of them. Oh, nice. And people should look her up because she's a wonderful uh, human person, but she has brought a lot of Somali uh, people out to into the political world here. So, So Minnesota, for folks who don't know, we have a very large Somali refugee population mm-hmm. uh, that I've done quite a bit of reporting on on that group in Minnesota. It's anywhere from like fifty to a hundred thousand people. It's very difficult to get a count. Isn't it one of the largest in the country? Yeah, it's one of the largest Somali populations outside of Somalia. Uh, it used to be mm. the most, but I think that there is another one that's like in Michigan that's about the size of mm. ours. Okay. Uh, well, and it used to be known for. I mean, Minnesota was known as the state that had the most people go to fight ISIS, fight on the ISIS side. Wasn't that the case? Yeah, we a few years we ago, had or? a big trial, a big dramatic trial about sixteen young young uh, men who were arrested going back to 
pot- potentially fight on the anti-United States groups, I mean, be it ISIS right. or other groups in Somalia. Or right, uh, there's a, yeah. Uh, but but that, a, that's a very a, small fraction of the the overall oh population. God, no, no, yeah, nothing, nothing compared. One negligible. Yeah, right. yeah. And there's a great deal of curiosity about only about six of those people were uh, convicted, and and the judge didn't give them any jail time because there was this. There's just this, you know. The, the 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 legal argument around it is very complicated, but it wasn't necessarily all that convincing that they were going to join ISIS and fight in a war. <laughs> right. Like, okay. like, right. Like some of it was material some support, bullshit. right? Like some of it was right. like they're sending money and how do you know what's going to happen? I mean, a few of yeah. them were headed to the airport when they got arrested. So there's like a lot of difference. Mm. But that, be- that did become a big story of like the – these this group of young people who were returning – Material support, they were giving them Reddit gold, you know. So. <laughs> Bitcoin transfers, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this year we did have, so the other the other fun, fun, I mean, the the other exciting sort of thing that happened is that there were more and more Somali folks participating in the elections. Uh, my neighbor, you know. Right. My neighbor and our close friends of ours, they're Somali family, and they voted for the first time. They've been in Minnesota for 16 years. Now, uh, now were folks doing big like get out the vote efforts, or was it um, that they had uh, people on the ballot that that caused them to come out? I or yeah, some I combination. Mean, I think it was a combination. I mean, there wasn't any get out the vote activity that I saw, but that doesn't mean that there weren't at uh, you know t- maybe targeted towards Somali folks, uh, right? But I think it was largely more like an awakening that Ilhan basically single-handedly has brought to the Twin Cities. Like, her presence, especially in, like, the Cedar Riverside neighborhood in Minneapolis, which is, like, a... Cedar Riverside is the neighborhood. I don't know if you've heard about this HBO show that they're potentially making called Mogadishu, Minnesota. Uh, oh. oh, no. Okay. It's, a, it's about... Uh, Cedar Riverside, which is like a, a, a Minneapolis neighborhood that's that has a lot of Somali uh, population. Oh, that it, that's not a uh, a, a non editorialized title. Yeah, for that at all. I don't even know if that's still happening. Catherine Bigelow was make was executive producing it, right? Uh, and it was like mm. I don't I don't know where that is. That was a big <laughs> story like a year ago, but we haven't heard much since. Sure. So. But yeah, so the, the you know, and then a few more folks, a few more folks did get elected to, uh, and I don't have their names in front of me, and I wish I did, but uh, there were a couple more Somali Somali folks elected in Minnesota oh. and across oh, the I country. Oh, I might, I might, I might actually have these these names up here. Yeah, uh, I've got a few see. notes about the elections, but oh, th- so one of the contests was between two Somali immigrants running for a city council seat. Um, mm-hmm. Abdi Warsame beat Muhammad Nuor, uh, for city mm-hmm. council. Is that is that the Twin Cities? That's uh, yeah, Minneapolis City Council. Abdi Warsame. Yep, I yep, got that yep. now. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm not gonna Someone I'm not gonna parts. attempt these names and embarrass myself. But uh, there was Abdul Qadir Hassan. There, yeah, there was a Parks and Recreation Board, a school board. Um, yeah, so I, I I found I found this right. There's a a gentle, a, a gentleman in Hopkins, which is just a west a, mm-hmm. a suburb right next to Minneapolis. Okay. Uh, somebody in Washington, and then an uh, you know, last year was Ilhan Omar. That's what it's saying here. So mm-hmm. right. So four four folks uh across the country, two of them in Minnesota. Well, I think it's I think it's outstanding and. A shout out to the the city of Hoboken, New Jersey, who also elected the first Sikh mayor. Mm-hmm. Ravi Bala became the the first ever Sikh mayor in in New Jersey. So I, it's it was a pretty encouraging election all around. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, one thing that's really interesting to me: the Somali community in in the United States is largely refugees, uh, folks who because sure, of yeah. the Somali Civil War that started in 1992, and basically ever since, Somali folks have been coming. 
Uh, it always seems so strange now. to me that they all settled near the Great Lakes where it's like constantly cold and chilly. Yeah. Um, There's a great story I, I mean, behind why Minnesota actually has a huge uh, Somali population, which I can, can share you with you if you want story? to. Yeah, absolutely. But before yeah. I do that, I, wa- I wanted to just say like the the will the Helena Montana race too, where the Liberian refugee will uh, Wilmot Collins is his name. But I, I just right. love that. Uh, that, like there's this sense that refugee individuals are running for office, right? Like one of the things that yes. you get when a community is like pushed back against is like you run for office, right? Like we saw that with trans folks this year as well. Transgender sure. individuals, like a bunch of a bunch of firsts happened in the trans community because the trans community has particularly been singled out. And you the bet. refugee community mm-hmm. is seeing the same thing and now there's like it's not just like people supporting the refugee community, which is important, but it's like, no, refugees are winning winning races and becoming like the whole actual seat holders, you know. And I, I that's so exhilarating to see that. They they have become true Americans and are showing up to vote and you know, like demanding change. Yeah. Absolutely. Like not just like, oh, we yes. need to speak out on behalf of transgender individuals. It's like Transgender individuals right. are running for those seats and winning them. Yep. You bet. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because everything else is, it's really easy to say on the stump, but once you're actually in office, is that actually going to be a, is that going to be a priority for you? Yeah. And, you know, when somebody comes from a marginalized community, absolutely, that's going to be at the top of their mind all the time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. is the other, the other last, the last mini Minneapolis based electoral story is that two transgender individuals won seats on the Minneapolis city council. Uh, and that is, hmm. you know, the first, the first two, uh, their, their names are Felipe Cunningham and Andrea Jenkins. And that's, yeah. that was like exciting. You know, they beat the city council president who, brought the viking stadium here you know that was like <laughs> seminal had been on this council for 20 years and was a major right. piece you know like uh was was defeated by a young transgender person who didn't want to have her on this council anymore you know that's really great well and it's interesting because minneapolis has been the uh the center of high profile trans issues with i mean i I forget her name. Was it Cece? Cece McDonald. Oh, yeah. Imprisoned for... Damn it. I'm out of Star Tribune stories. <laughs> for my free Star Tribune <laughs> stories for the month. But Cece McDonald was from Minneapolis and, you know, was being harassed by someone who was a white nationalist and had tattoos, you know, to that effect. And, you know, she defended herself not with a gun, but literally with scissors and stabbed the dude and went to jail for it. So, wow. You know, I mean, again, it's just, it's another situation where we're seeing, you know, there's a long way to go, but we've come a long way in a short period of time. I mean, that was only 2012. So, you know, about five years later, it's encouraging to see people not giving up, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think that what, one of the, ironies that the conservative you know sex obsessed republican party doesn't seem to understand is that the more attention they pay to these things the 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 sooner they're they lose right like the, the, sure. the you introduce the bathroom bill okay now you those people are losing to trans candidates right like it wouldn't have yep. happened if you didn't introduce these bathroom bills if you didn't if you didn't obsess about people's sex and people's orientations, you would you yep. would actually do better. But but they can't they cannot help it. You know. But on the other hand, not to get too uh, like topical to today's news, Roy Moore, who's running for the Senate in Alabama, is going to Alabama Ram. Yeah, had an article come out today that said that he's. He he's now caught up in this entire uh, flood of sexual assault allegations with a pretty airtight testimony against him that says that, like, he was going after, like, underage girls. And you still have Republican senators out there going like, well, I don't I don't 
agree with what he did, but I'd rather vote for him than vote for somebody else. So, I mean, what you're down to is like, I mean, if the GOP is literally the party of excusing child sexual predation, then, I mean, how much hope is there that somebody's going to look at a like a less bad candidate and vote against them? Well, we've joked before about living in kind of, you know, this Trump era being a post-intellectual world, a world (laughs) where, you know, facts, education, those kind of things can be looked down upon. But it could also be that we're living in a post-character world, too, where those kind of things don't matter except to the extent that we can use them as a weapon or against our enemies. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I think that that's really kind of being highlighted, especially with the Roy Moore thing, which we'll probably go more into. But, you know, just the idea that people can say, well, you know, Mary... Mary in the Bible was, uh, you know, a teenager, and right. uh, Joseph was way older. Yeah, he was like he was like thirty two. Like it was a thirty two year old with like fourteen year old, and still like yeah. Jesus got born from that. So are you really? Yeah, because gonna... what what were uh, the statutory rape laws of freaking Bethlehem at the time, you know, <laughs> right. or Nazareth or whatever the hell, you know? Well, the whole as was tweeted out today, the whole point is that Joseph did not have sex with Mary. <laughs> right. That's kind right, of the right. foundation of the whole fucking religion. So, right. But Matthew missed by the true zealots. I mean, to to your point though, Matthew about Roy Moore too. I think it's important. It's important to note that like that that what Democrats or liberals or progressives or whomever is celebrating is a uh, uh, odd year elections, right? So none of this stuff is statewide elections. Yeah, And it it just Mm -hmm. means something different, right? Roy Moore is a Senate candidate. And when you're running a a statewide election, it's, you know, Minnesota is not going to be electing trans senators, you know, but we can have these victories on the local level. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's it's a completely different. It's a different calculus in terms of what the national parties want to do. You know, the the GOP right now just wants to maintain that Senate seat as being Republican. They don't actually care who's in there. Even if, even if he's the most deranged person you could possibly run for Senate. And I mean, Roy Moore is potentially the most, I mean, I I was tweeting about this today, but like he is potentially the worst person alive. Like if you (laughs) just objectively read the things this man has said and done, like People don't get right. worse than him. And now, like, no. potentially he's a pedophile, right? I mean, we're right. actually talking <laughs> right. about, Agreed. Like, pedophilia. So he's, like, as low yeah. as it gets, you know? And and I think, I think Chuck's observation is brilliant that we're living in something like a post-character world where people don't care, like, what you did. They just care what you're going to be able to do for them in the future. And... I don't know, yeah, man. Like, right. is that is that an opportunity for one political party to say, like, not only are we the part? Well, it is. It is right. It's the same objection that people have against the Democrats. You don't stand for anything. You don't have any character. There's no like principled stance that you're taking. And so, of course, we're in this nebulous nightmare world of nobody has any principles at all. And we're going to we're going to adopt and abandon whichever ones are good to like virtue signal to our fans that we're better than the other side. But beyond that, I don't know. Could we find principled candidates, people who actually believe in a thing like could the Democratic Party or something on the left be the party of character? Well, I just like you don't really have an you know, there's no monopoly on the sexual assault bullshit. I also sure. don't think that there's I don't think that there's really room for monopoly on the character. I think in order to have a functioning government that's a two party system, you you have to have character on both sides. And we we kind of depend on that. Right. But that's a whole lot better of a campaigning tool than the Democrat just saying Hey, I'm not racist. Vote for me, which also <laughs> right. seems to be what they've relied on, you know, for like the almost the better part of the last decade. Yeah, so. absolutely. We're not as bad as the other guys isn't a principled stance. Right. 
But having someone say, I come from freaking nothing, or I come from a country where people's life is valued way less than anything we could consider here, you know, they stand for something, man. Or or I've been raised in a society, yeah, it, it, I've been raised in a society that marginalizes my identity, makes jokes about it, doesn't, you know, like attacks me legislatively right. on a regular basis. Um, right. Yeah. But no matter how bad Roy Moore is, as long as he's whipping out that tiny little pistol on a stage, everyone's <laughs> like, man, look at that hat. Look at that gun. That's America 101. No, I didn't mean to rhyme like that. That's my G.I. Joe. Oh, that's amazing. You should Black be... Black-eyed trope right Dude, that, that, was, together that was literally a... That was a... <laughs> Thank you. That was a country song lyric. No, but it is like... Uh, there is something to that idea of like... It doesn't matter who you are. It just matters which side you're on. You know, like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. How no bad targets. Get, or, no, you know. what it's it's no bad tactics. Only bad targets. Yeah. yeah. Like you yeah. know, if he's gonna get in there and vote for tax reform, like who gives a fuck, right? Like he, if he's yeah, gonna appoint exactly. judges that I like, I don't care about the yep. rest. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, I'm I'm voting for a judge with with zero interest in the actual rule of law. I just want results that align with my my personal moral compass. Yeah. <laughs> That's as good a point as any, I think, to maybe try to bring this out on a high note. Sounds like a good idea, man. <laughs> Let's take a break here and come back. I was doing a, a podcast with yeah. David Axelrod, and a man in the audience asked me about it. Um, but in the context of that, and I hadn't heard yeah. at that point of any of it. So I was, you know, he said, what do you think about this allegations against Louis C.K.? And my first response was, what? And yeah. then joke joke and as he kept going I was like look I know this is very serious but I know Louis uh, he's always been a gentleman you know uh, to me which again it speaks to the blindness that I think a man has which is like hey he's a good guy what are you talking about um, digging around in it and finding that some people had done it was hard but we were all assured like no but we took somebody's word for it and maybe that's that's an error on our part. Okay, so for a high note this week, uh, we were talking about how just awful and dire the news always is. And one thing we haven't covered on the show yet is the just the ongoing cascade of sexual assault allegations, um, sexual assault, <laughs> right. rape, creepy behavior, whatever. And Chris said that he thinks that he can spin a high note out of that and we're willing to let him do it because we're at our fucking wits end here yeah i mean (laughs) high note is an interesting way of putting it right not one that i would choose but but i do think it's important it's important to recognize like not just that these the like obviously every story of sexual assault is is tragic but the, the 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 unfolding uh, nature and the the momentum that is behind exposing like long term individuals in power who are also abusers. Sure, like that is mm-hmm. actually this is actually a good thing that's happening, right? This is a skeletons in the closet thing. Today was Louis yep. C.K. Uh, Louis C.K. Louis is C.K. another. It was also uh, it was also Steven Spielberg possibly being kind of complicit. Not um, wait, not, hold up, not necessarily. Uh, acting really disgustingly himself, but also like knowing that disgusting activity was going on and now covering up for all it. All I saw, all I saw about Louis C.K. was that he was canceling a film viewing or something. Does anyone have more? Can someone fill me in? I think. Yes, I mean he sure. seems. I can. Yeah. yeah. So Louis C.K. has a new film uh, coming out, right? Uh, and the the premiere of that film was canceled. Uh, in New mm-hmm. York City. Okay. So, so essentially, what's going to happen is that that film's going to be buried, uh, and that film is about a man who is accused of sexual assault, and it is presumably to be. Oh, a- are you kidding me? That's what it's actually about. Yeah. So it's right. it's supposed to be about like a Woody Allen type figure, but for months people have so so the thing about Louis is that he, like like Harvey Weinstein. 
everyone has known in comedy that Louis C.K. does these things, right? Right. This whole like okay. masturbating in front of women uh, without Jesus. consent. This is a thing that has been swirling around him for twenty years, right? And then, like, and then sending these like long standing really text known. messages the next day, like apologizing for it and saying like, "Hey, I've got problems." Um, yeah. It's like, yeah, Louis, you, you do, man. Like. Your your problem is you're a funny guy who also masturbates in front of women in a really gross way. Yeah, I mean he's a harasser. Yeah. He's a, he harasses and and you know abuses women, and that's terrible. But you know the, the the only reason I'm bringing this up at the end of the show is that he's going to like the people who have come before over the last several months. Like his his career is I think going to be done. Right? Like yeah. there's a lot of talent in the world. Like Louis C.K. is talented and he's funny and I've enjoyed his work, but I don't need his work. Like he should go away. You could probably away. find somebody, somebody who's else about can as do funny that. as him who doesn't yeah. also like masturbate into a house plant. Uh, yeah, at and a party like in front right. of somebody the, the who number want of them to do that. Yeah, fucking something. Something is up with that. Like the power angle. Like every one of these men has had like masturbating in front of women has been a part of the the story. There's yeah. some mm. psychosis about power and doing that, but oh yeah, absolutely. Right. So so I think the the high note here, uh, if we can draw, and and I agree with you, Chris. I I said this earlier in a different discussion that uh, if there's one actually glittery silver lining to this whole shit cloud, it's that <laughs> right. it's that the allegations haven't stopped coming. That it seems like people are actually taking it seriously this time there might be real consequences for people instead of like kind of just knowing that thing and continuing on like business as usual. Yeah. I I think that's, a, that's like what we're seeing happening. Right. And like, there is this understanding that these industries can continue without these people in power. Like if you get sure. rid of Louis CK, stand up and auteur television will continue somebody can fill that void just fine right absolutely there's probably a line going out the building you know for people wanting their their shots so yeah and i mean absolutely they've ruined careers right like the uh, the new york times reporting today on louis ck there's more than one of the women who is publicly making these accusations talks about just leaving comedy Right, like it's just better not sure. to be involved. So they've ruined careers. We've lost people well, sure. because of this. So their Absolutely. careers should be ruined. <laughs> I heard this week that like Harvey Weinstein, some of the lengths he went to was like hiring ex Mossad agents and stuff to interview and harass. Oh, fantastic! People that had, yeah. I mean, that was on NPR, you know. So it, you, I, you're one hundred percent right that. It's a good thing that these kind of systems are being exposed. Hopefully that it starts actually creating change within the system. Mm -hmm. But that change doesn't come without there being this light that's shined onto the situation, which I feel like that's beginning to happen now. And it's probably going to continue to happen for quite some time to come. So Right. And it seems like a lot of people have been put on notice that – it's no longer sufficient for you to just continue to be a guy who doesn't do these things. You also can't get away with being a guy who knows this shit's going on and doesn't say anything because your name's going to get yeah. dragged into it too. If you were like present at a party or something, you're going to, you're involved yep. in these cases now, which is the way it should have been the whole time. But that is actually a step forward as sad as it is to say. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. you got to get rid of, you got to clear the room of all these folks. Hopefully, they're not replaced sure. by people of the same ilk. But you right. start no, I, by I think rid of uh, them. I think the next Hollywood is um, leftist podcasts run out of the Midwest by actually like decent guys who, um, you know, I mean, we we like the people that we like, <laughs> but we're not gonna be like all creepy about it. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> There you go. There you go. No hero worship be over here. <laughs> but definitely subscribe. So Yeah, right. We're we're gonna be li right. living right. in a Philip Jose Farmer short story shortly. You know, it's just like independent <laughs> right. artists who are kind of cool. There you go. There you go. No rapes over here. No assaults. No rape no jokes either. 
I mean, the yeah. the woker broker Chapo was the way somebody put it not too long ago. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that somebody sounds like an incredibly intelligent and probably handsome person. Yeah, probably. So. <laughs> probably. It was probably a it but was that, probably a POC too. Um not to I was going to say not to try to like appropriate any culture here, but um we're getting too visual for the audience here. <laughs> Although picture a smooth talking person of color. No, just kidding. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, we should probably wrap it up while we're laughing here. You know? So, you know, um, Chris, man, it's been great to have you on the show. Yeah, it's been a blast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, no problem. Anytime. And where can the audience find you? Or, you know, let us know if you got anything to shout out here. Yeah, so, you know, you if you, if you are film fan you can find uh the stake.org that's the that's the website that i run and double exposure mn.com that's where you can find my podcast uh i also Excellent. you know you can find me on twitter at christopher zf uh yes magazine is where i do most of my freelancing uh so you can find you know journalism all over the web excellent excellent be sure to check him out and also, you know, check us out. Share us with your friends. Rate us on iTunes. That helps us a ton. And follow us individually on Twitter. You can find me at Shaggy2Trope. Uh, Brendan is gone and he's not answering his Twitters, but you can find him <laughs> at Brendan Williams with one L. And Matt, where are you at? I'm at Matt the Great with the W. But I will say that uh, Brendan's Twitter and public Facebook right now are all lit up with pictures of his family's vacation in Orlando, which looks like a blast. Absolutely. So, you know, if you want to live vicariously, follow Brendan, not us. Yeah, seriously. Definitely follow Brendan for that vicarious living. You know, <laughs> that American Pie 90s Americana style. So... <laughs> But until then, you know, this has been Liquid Flannel. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. Should we stop recording here?